So first and foremost, let's talk about my company, Chipotle. So man, Chipotle beat top and bottom line, which means they beat earnings and revenue, right? That came in good. Now, here's the highlight that I want to say for Chipotle, right? So they beat earnings, right? $9.51 earnings per share, expected $9.21. So what does that mean? So let's say right now the stock price for Chipotle is $1,500, right? The stock price is $1,500. So for every share that that business has, every share is $1,500. They make $9 in earnings off each share, right? So this is, how, this is how the market breaks down companies so we can understand it, right? So if the company had, let's say, $250 million in profit, they would divide that $250 million divided by all the shares they had, and that would give you a per share earning. Golly, I felt like teaching tonight. So they made $9.51 per share. Now, they beat Wall Street estimates. Because Wall Street said you're gonna make nine dollars and twenty-one cents. They say, ah ah ah. They say we print money, baby. They say we is printing money, baby. So they had a net income of two hundred and fifty-seven million dollars. Now watch this though. The company did say they spent more money on avocados. More money on tortillas, more money on dairy, more money on packaging, and more money on labor. Meaning, because of inflation, the price of everything went up. Now, this is good. Why is this good? Well, that's not good, but what is good is even though prices went up, they still beat earnings, and it wasn't adjusted. Plus, in-store revenue went up by 22%. So what does that mean? That means from last quarter to this quarter, more people came in the store. That's always good. Now, let me double down on that. This is the third time they've increased their prices in 15 months. This is the third time that they've increased prices in 15 months. Now, Here's the strong point about that. We love companies that have pricing power. A company that can increase their prices and still keep the consumer committed. Meaning, even though we increase prices, nobody ain't leave. How do we know nobody ain't leave? Well, because the in-store revenue increased by 22%. That means even after the increase, people say, you know what? That goddamn avocados is that damn good, I'm still coming. Them god doggone bowls is that good, I'm still coming. Them burritos is that goddamn good, I am still coming. Trust the Chipotle, man, for being that goddamn good. Y'all know it was one of my favorite countries. We bought it at 425. We saw it go up to 1900. It's now back down to 1500, but we good. We good, we good, we good. You feel me? Shout out to Chipotle for that, man. We love that. Next on deck is Coca-Cola, man. Warren Buffett's favorite company, man. They definitely beat. They definitely beat. The soda is sodaing, right? Calvin doing something good. Y'all remember that Coca-Cola commercial? Calvin got a 
<laughs> Y'all remember Tyrese on the thing? Always Coca-Cola, yeah. <laughs> Always Coca-Cola, yeah. <laughs> Isaac laughing, y'all. Isaac laughing, y'all. <laughs> oh, man. All right, man. So check it, man. Let's talk about Coca-Cola, man. Coca-Cola, they definitely beat the trap down, man. They beat earnings and they beat revenue, right? But here's the dope part about Coca-Cola. What I love, right? The case volume grew by 4%, meaning people buy by the case. That 24 pack, that six, that's a, the case grew by 4%. Yo, I'm not gonna lie, this company is really tried and tested, yo. Like Coke just be, yo, their brand is strong. So Coke breaks their brand down into two things, two models. They have what's called the finished product model, right? The finished product model is when they take the Coke, when they take the, uh, the ingredients in the bag, they put it in a bottle, and then they, right, they have that model, and then they have the unfinished model. It's just where they sell just the actual uh, formula, not the formula itself, like the, but in the pack, right? Uh, the concentrate, the concentrate. So they have two business models when they come to Coca-Cola. They actually sell the concentrate and they have a, a finished product. Yo, that's, that's crazy that they can, be, they can be last this long. The company still has a good balance sheet. The company still has a great CEO. I always ask myself, can this company continue to grow? But the thing about it is when it comes to the beverages, no one has more beverages than Coca-Cola. They have what's called Shelf space dominance. Yo, I'm really teaching tonight, goddamn. I'm really teaching tonight. This is called shelf space dominance. I appreciate you for the super chat, Queen. I see you, Nat. I see you for the super chat, you hear me? So it's called shelf space dominance, meaning when you go to the store, the Coca-Cola products will dominate the shelf space. The Coca-Cola products will dominate the shelf space. Even dope, right? Here's two things that we learned. Y'all remember my Monster Beverage? So Monster Beverage, the energy drink, they actually sold Coca-Cola a portion of their business so they can take some of the shelf space from Coca-Cola. Okay, let me make it make sense. Okay, track this out. Trap, you own this block. I can't move nothing on the block. Coca-Cola said, listen, you want to get on this block? You want to you get here? A nickel bag in a park gets sold, I'm on in. Coke said, cool, you can get some of this, but you got to give me equity in your company. Coca-Cola, Master Berry said, hey, I'll sell you a piece of this to get the shelf space that you got across the world. It's a win-win situation. Master Berry became the number one beverage drink in the world. They became the number one energy drink in the world. Why? They gave up a little bit of something to make a whole lot. The problem with a lot of y'all is y'all don't want to give up nothing. You want 100% of a failing business. You want 100% of nothing. Master said, listen, I'm going to give you some of this. I will give you a percentage of my business to get the shelf space that you own since you dominate shelf space around the world. Let me get 5% of that shelf space, 8% of that shelf space to put this monster beverage so I can outdo Red Bull and all these other companies 
and they became the number one energy drink in the world. Man, business is an amazing game. All right, let's go a little further, man. Let's go a little further. I mean, uh, it is what it is. All right, so let's talk about Google, right? Let's talk about Google. Parent company is Alphabet. So Google missed earnings and they missed revenue. Now, we attribute this to a few things, right? I'm going to attribute this to a few things. What I will say is this, the highlight for Google's earnings was they did say, yo, we found new ways to monetize YouTube. Now, active users was up on YouTube, which was good, so TikTok not eating away their brand, but monetization has slacked. They are the number one search engine in the world, Okay, so when you get on a thing and you say, let me Google something, that's it. So Google pays Apple $9 billion a year. Yeah, so Google pays Apple $9 billion a year so they can be the number one search engine on Apple because you know Apple has Safari. There we go, right? So Apple has Safari, right? But Google pays Apple to be the leading search engine on Apple. There we go. So Google pays Apple $9 billion a year. So that, that's a huge user base. You know what I'm saying? So Google has, you know, they miss earnings, they miss revenue, which is not good because they're in the top five social media platforms. So we, we definitely had to dig in to see. Now, I truly believe that under $100, somewhere around 95 or below, remember we talked about that? I said, listen, Google, I say, remember, I say, Google at 95 or below is 100% a buy to me. The reason why I feel like that is because the one thing I do love about Google is this. They have a young user base that's, and user base gets younger and younger, right? So unlike Facebook and Instagram, you don't have eight, nine-year-olds saying, I want to be a Facebooker. I want to be an Instagrammer, right? You don't say that. But you will find eight, nine-year-olds saying, I want to be a YouTuber. And they can really be profitable. I remember the little boy, Ryan, was nine years old. The dude made $14 million a year. I said, golly. And I looked at his channel. All he did was open up toys. Right? All he did was open up toys. So I do love that they have a growing user base. I do love they have the number one search engine. But they have to find ways to develop and monetize better. Google, YouTube Shorts is good. We definitely want to see how they monetize better. I forgot to say about that. Moving on, let's go, man. And we talk about Microsoft, man. Listen, Microsoft is one of them ones, y'all. Like, Microsoft is, is one of them ones. Because not only did the, cro- the cloud grow, like, now watch what they're doing, though. So Microsoft just partnered with Facebook, right? Microsoft partnered with Facebook. Facebook is doubling down $10 billion a year on the metaverse. They partnered with Microsoft to do the Microsoft Teams inside the metaverse, right? Microsoft doubled back. They're helping Netflix. (laughs) Microsoft is helping Netflix, right? 
Microsoft also is competing with breaking. This, Microsoft is one of the reasons why Zoom is getting broke down the way it is. Why? Because corporate America use Microsoft Teams. They don't use Zoom like talking about. Microsoft is 100%. So watch this, y'all. I bought Microsoft at $89 in 2018. $89. Now, here's the dope part about it. When you look at Microsoft, you watch the company go through transition. The company really, after Bill Gates, the company didn't grow for about 10 years. The new leadership that Microsoft has with Azure and all that, that is 100% helping that company grow. But the company is falling right now after hours. But here's what I like about it. There's some things we'll talk about today. There's some things that happened today in the market. They had a bond sell-off, a bond auction. I'll talk to you all about what a bond auction is. But here's what I want you to think about. Here's what I want you to think about. You're looking at a company that's sitting on $100 billion in free cash. You're looking at a company that has an amazing management team. You're looking at a company that has a great balance sheet. Let me ask you this question. On the other side of this recession is what you call expansion. This is when America opens up and grows. Who do you think will be at the head of that? From now on, I want you to think like that. I want you to ask yourself this question. On the other side of this business cycle, which is the recession, which you'll get into the trough, the other side of that is expansion. We talked about the four business cycles. On the other side of recession, that expansion cycle, who do you think will be on the other side of that? Those are the companies that you need to be looking at. Don't look at what's going on right now. Right now is the time you go bargain shopping. Right now is the time you line up in front of Walmart with the basket waiting on Black Friday. This is what you're doing right now. You're bargain shopping for assets that appreciate on the other side of this. The cloud revenue increase, the business process revenue increase, what did go down was the personal computer revenue. Because here's what I realized about that. People don't always buy PCs. When a person buys a personal computer, they're not buying another computer for two years. Like, people not buying computers every year. You're buying one computer, you're waiting two years, three years to buy another computer. So I was looking at that, but I'm not worried. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not even bothered about Microsoft at all. Let's go, man. Woo! How we feeling tonight, man? We trapping? How we feel? Are we trapping? Do we feel good? I need everybody in the chat to say we trapping. I need everybody in the chat to say we trapping. Now, Visa. Visa is one of the staples in this game. Right? They beat earnings. They beat revenue, man. But here's the one thing that I like what Visa said. So a while back, a couple weeks ago, we saw the federal, what that is, FedEx, the CEO of FedEx came on TV. He was hooping and hollering. We in a recession. He blamed everybody but his poor management on why his company falling. He blamed everybody but his poor management. He blamed everybody but his adjustments on why his company beat, I mean, missed earnings. When we looked at UPS, we looked at the banks, 
And now we're looking at Visa. Here's what Visa said. We saw strong consumer spending. We have a strong consumer outlook on what's ahead. Visa said we do see some increases, some decreases, some fear, but we have strong, the consumer is strong. And so we see companies like, so there's certain companies in every industry, their words is law. Right? Their word is law. So when you think about banking, when you see J.P. Morgan say something or Goldman Sachs say something, you're like, that's law. When Apple say something, that's law. When Visa say something, that's law. Y'all feel me on that? So Visa say we see strong consumer spending. He said strong e-commerce spending and strong travel pay, meaning he's seeing people traveling. Remember, Visa is the most used credit card in the world. So they gauging, they telling us where people spending their money at. When Walmart say something, that's the law. When that man from FedEx start tripping, bro, we not listening to you, bro. Bro, it's your fault your company not winning. It's your fault your company is missing earnings and revenue. It's your fault. Don't blame this recession. Can I tell y'all something right quick? I honestly don't think it's going to get that bad. I think, here's what I think. This is just me. I think we will go into a mild recession. But I don't think we're going to go into the 1929 type of depression. I don't think we're going to have this financial, like, catastrophe that everybody is proclaiming. Because the one thing I've learned about this game is this. When everybody thinks they right, somebody wrong. Everybody keep pounding, recession, recession. We are in one. We are in one. But in my mind, I don't think we're going to get as bad as some people are. Like some people are saying like, yo, it's about to be a winter. I feel like it's bad right now. But I feel like people, like if you make some adjustments in your lifestyle, if you make some adjustments right now, like a lot of people just blaming everything they got on a recession. There's a recession. I, you, bro, you was in a recession before this. Sis, you, was in a, you, was, you had inflation eating up your money because you got bad spending habits. You ain't got no type of financial control. All right, boom. Y'all going to be mad at Trapper Santa, but it's okay. I'm, I'm built for that. I'm built for that. Right? I think we're going to get a soft recession, 100%. But I don't think it's going to be as dramatic as they saying. I, in my mind, feel like they understand how to manipulate the market with words, and so that gives them a better opportunity to play the game. Remember, Bill Ackman came on TV and during the um, pandemic. It's about to be crazy. It's about to be an economic winter. Duh, 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 duh. Turn around, he turned 200 million to 2.2 billion off him coming on TV causing that panic. They know how to play the game. 
They know how to manipulate the market. If I keep pumping fear every day, all day, every day, all day, I can then make positions and maneuver in the game that's going to benefit me. Why? Because the market is emotional. And if the right people say it, we see what's going to happen. Are we in a recession right now? Yes. Will it get a little bit worse? Yes. Will it get 2008 bad? I don't think so. Because in 2008, the banks crashed. The bank's right now sitting on $6 trillion in cash. We talked about this on Trapman 2, episode 10. The bank's sitting on $10, $6 trillion in cash. We talked about this last episode. The bank's not lending out no money. We talked about this last episode. The banks are sitting on $450, $350, $250, $280 million in loss prevention, meaning they got money sitting on the side waiting for you to say, I can't pay this credit card. They got money sitting on the side saying, I'm waiting for you to say I can't pay these bills. They already ready. I can't pay my rent. Bet. I got the money sitting on the side of it already. They already prepared. If the banks prepare, how are we going to lose? 2008, the banks got caught off guard. Boom. They didn't know Lehman Brothers were playing like that. Boom. It caused a crash. Ripple effect. Everybody feel. We can't do nothing about it. But they sitting here ready. Go look at the earnings call from last week. Everybody say we got loss prevention money. The bank's sitting on $6 trillion in cash. Man, stop playing with me. 